Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. Tonight's double feature is The Last Dragon and Black Belt Jones. Ooh, that Bruce Leroy could numb my chuck any day. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. So I like to finish Alter Carbon. I got like three episodes left. I just need to sit down and watch them. Man, it's so good. But I guess what we have watched is that Noah picked a couple of Kung Fu movies first to do this week, uh, which we have not tackled on the show yet, which is surprising. I guess we should point out that Doug is... We decided Doug's not allowed on the show anymore since we discovered that Canadians burned down the White House in the War of 1812. <laughs> those, those Canadian bastards. Yeah. So he's been kicked off the show because uh, we're not going to have any of that anti-American bullshit on this show. Fuck that. He also may or may not have the plague. Hey, don't bring his health into this. I've heard, I've heard the plague's a thing in Canada still. If our president says that we're at war with Canada... We're at war with Canada. We're not going to have those if, slimy Canadians on this show. I'm just saying, if universal universal healthcare is so good, then why do the Canadians have the plague? <laughs> That's a good question. Exactly. Those motherfuckers. <laughs> so yeah, no more Doug. Fuck him. Uh, but yeah, we're going to talk about a couple of Kung Fu movies that Noah... Noah picked out for this week. I noticed. Uh, I noticed you're you're uh, avoiding the other qualifier for the movies. <laughs> oh, black exploitation kung fu movies. Yeah, these are black exploitation no. kung fu movies. So. Yeah, I wasn't really avoiding it on purpose. It just <laughs> just how it happened. Um, yeah, I guess uh, we'll start off with uh, Black Belt Jones, starring yeah. one Jim Kelly. Um. So I've never seen this before, and I guess I didn't realize that Black Dynamite borrowed so heavily, specifically from this movie. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, so it borrowed really heavily from about eight movies, but pretty yeah. much all the martial arts stuff is this movie, <laughs> including like Jim Kelly's like I don't know Kung Fu Scream. The, the <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so I don't know what organization is it is it the CIA FBI somebody's trying to infiltrate like this mob mansion or whatever and they keep sending guys in and they keep getting killed because the mob picks them <laughs> off like <laughs> picks up right away that they're they're cops or agents or whatever <clears throat> and I love that they just drown them in a vat of wine and then they're like eh just charge cheaper for that specific vat my favorite, my favorite line of the movie is he goes, "Make sure you mark that patch down." 
that guy shit his pants before he died. <laughs> so, weirdly enough, this starts off to be sort of the B plot for the show, even though it opens the movie. Uh, and then, uh, whatever organization this is, uh, is trying to get Jim Kelly or Black Bell Jones to uh, come work for them. And they specifically tell them, like, look, we've sent four guys in. They've all died. So we need you to go in. And he's like, uh, no, I'm not doing any of that bullshit. So then we cut to sort of our main, our A, A plot, which is Scatman Crothers owns a uh, karate dojo. <laughs> and uh, so sort of... This, I guess, this is sort of how they intertwine. But this mob, I don't remember. I don't remember how they make the connection. Some way, they just want this dojo shut down. Pinky. So Pinky is a uh, not not exactly a drug dealer. He's a a, a distributor for the mob, and he yeah, owes them a bunch of money. And basically, right. they tell him to call it squares. He has to get uh, Pop to sell the shop for you know a dollar that's that's what it was so yeah pinky and his crew go over and keep trying to antagonize them into uh to having him give because he keeps telling them like oh yeah he owes me like a hundred dollars and then it climbs oh he owes me a thousand dollars and then later on he's like yeah pop owed me eleven thousand dollars and then the next time he's like yeah pop owed me forty one thousand dollars yeah, it just keeps going up. And if you pay attention to what he's saying, if you notice, basically he's got a handwritten ledger and he just keeps like adding lines to change the numbers. <laughs> Which is great. It's, it's $1,000 and then it's $11,000 and then it's $41,000. Uh, so there's multiple scuffles of them. They're going to try to come in and like bust this dojo up. And Black Belt Jones, uh, was he a student there? Like, I don't remember sort of what his association with it was. That's that's my understanding is that he was one of Pop's students. But yeah. apparently he's the star student. Yeah. So he agrees to, like, lay in wait one night when they know they're going to be busting this place up. And tells the other guy, like, okay, make sure you flip the lights on and off, like, every three seconds. So they come in to bust it up, and then the lights pop on, and he just beats the shit out of somebody. Lights go off. You hear more fighting. Lights go on. And it's just back and forth until he kicks all their asses. <laughs> uh, so then they run out, and they try to, like, strong-arm pops again, but he ends up having a heart attack. Some sort of, he ends up dying. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be he just, like, has an aneurysm or a heart attack yeah. or something from the stress. And then uh, it says something about Sydney, which nobody seems to know what that is. <clears throat> but then at his funeral, Sydney shows up, who turns out to be his long-lost daughter, who she hasn't seen him in like over 20 years. She turns out she wants to know who, who it was that killed him. And uh, the students are supposed to be like sort of watching after her while she's in town. But she cons one of them into driving by Pinky's uh, pool hall. And then goes in and turns out she's a badass fighter and whoops all of them. It was fucking awesome. And then, uh, of course, her and uh, Black Belt Jones sort of have this uh, 
will they won't they relationship even though they act like they're mad at each other then uh culminating in that weird kind of rapey beach scene where they where they proceed to flirtatiously beat the shit out of each other and ruin every other person at the beach (laughs) pretty much I am. I almost took that almost as like the the scene from the end of Red Sonia where they're like fighting, just you know trying to not give in to the other one, but they're still obviously going to give in to each other. Yeah. Uh. So they keep. She doesn't. She obviously is not going to sell the uh, the dojo to Pinky. So Pinky keeps like they kidnap like one of the students, and they say like I'll oh, bring like. The exact amount that Pinky owes, of course, the mob to bring that and they'll exchange it for the student. She wants to go, but he says uh, not to go. And they decide the best way to get the money is to then infiltrate that mob mansion from the beginning, steal the fake money they have in there, and then they'll exchange it for their student. And then they'll call the mob and tell them, like, hey, you know that money that was stolen from your mansion? Well, if you look at it, Pinky just paid you with that with that fake money, so he ripped you off and paid you with your own money, so you should take care of it, uh, which works for about 10 seconds. And then they're like, hey, wait a minute. Uh, and then it culminates in a giant fight at a car wash at the end. Such a weird location for that final fight. <laughs> it's so weird. I'll tell you what, whenever I was re-watching this, I forgot about that final fight at the car wash. And when she starts throwing people in the back of the dump truck <laughs> and like pulling the switch, I was like, oh my God, she's murdering all these guys. Because I was thinking it was like the crusher dump trucks, you know what I mean? <laughs> Not one of the ones that just lifts you up and dumps you in the back. <laughs> she's a murderer. Yeah, I was like, Jesus, that's way more violent than I remember this being. Yeah, well, it doesn't help that the last guy had his leg sticking out, and it apparently gets it, like, broken. Oh, yeah. I was like, holy shit. I was a little, so the leg break was pretty cool. I was a little disappointed that with all the threatening of uh, smashing someone's teeth out with a pool ball, we never get to see somebody get their teeth smashed out with a pool ball. Twice that almost happens. Uh, The mob threatens to do it to Pinky the second time. Right. And then you get to see this weird reverse shot. Where you see a fishing line attached to the, to the to the pool ball as it just rolls across the thing and jumps up into his mouth. Oh, uh, the seventies. Um, so this is the first time watched for me. I absolutely loved this movie. I thought it was fantastic. <laughs> I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> it man, like like I said, in in if you like Black Dynamite, you should definitely see the movie because they crib so much stuff off of it. Yeah, including including Black Belt Jones' perfect afro. <laughs> <laughs> it is ridiculous. It looks like it's made out of like styrofoam. It looks like a styrofoam <laughs> afro helmet. <laughs> yeah, I did like that uh, he basically just leaves, lives at a beach house. There's no explanation of how he earns a living or anything. Other than, I guess, going on these expeditions for the FBI slash CIA, whoever. I do also like the fact that in his regular life, he goes by Black Pill Jones. Yeah, of course. Yeah, there's no code name. That's his legal name. 
Yeah, his name. His name is Black Belt Jones. Like, oh, Black Belt Jones. Tell, tell him Black Belt Jones called. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just helps girls at the beach to jump on trampolines. It, it must be a weird, tough life. I love the fact that they show they show the girls on the trampolines three times, and you're like, "What the fuck is up with the trampoline?" And then you're like, "Oh, in the heist part toward the end, there they managed to work in the trampoline." Yeah, he like uh, gets all these uh, the girls on the beach that he's been helping work out, I guess. <clears throat> and I guess it's like a secret school for how to be uh, a spy or something. Because yeah, they're they're getting into this mansion. And they come up with this idea of having these girls like, we'll, t- we'll take this mobile tra- trampoline. One of them will jump up with a Polaroid camera to take a picture of the scenery. And then we'll clip it in front of the camera so they can't see anything that's going on. <laughs> and somehow that's, it works out perfect. Back before cameras had timestamps. Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. I love the like, there's a montage of showing how they're going to do all this stuff. And there's a literally a scene where he's showing someone how to use a Polaroid camera. It's it's kind of funny because the whole there's the the part of them planning the heist is a pretty long section of the movie, and I think it's longer than them actually doing the heist. <laughs> Probably. It's like, all right, we're going to show Black Belt Jones using this little uh, cannon thing with the uh, the grappling hook. And it's like, do we really need to see him learning how to use that? Right. Uh, apparently we do. Yeah, I do like, and I also like how the, the movie is almost like several shorter movies put together. Like, oh, yeah. It starts off as a super cop movie, and then it becomes like a kung fu, we must protect the dojo movie. <laughs> and then it's a heist movie. And then in the end, it just turns into like a generic action comedy movie <laughs> where they're... Yeah. They're fighting in a sea of foam. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like a, it's just like an action comedy. Just like, oh, car wash is broke, but it won't stop sending suds out. So you just see mobsters trying to run through it and like slipping and falling. And after they kick everybody's ass, Black Belt Jones has to like wade through the foam just to make sure they got everybody. <laughs> It's so weird, but my only complaint for the movie is that scene seems like it's way too long. The the foam fight? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's really long. And every time you think it's over, like, it starts back up again. <laughs> over and over and over again. You're like, how many guys were in this fucking car? Exactly. Because it's only, like, yeah, like, one or two cars. Like, that's it. But it just seems like an endless stream of, like, henchmen coming well, after him. Although, at the end, it seems like all the guys he knocked out have now woken back up and are going to attack him in <laughs> Sudsy unison. And then, of course, uh, they just drive off in the, uh, I don't know, garbage slash dump truck with all the guys in the back of it. Right. They just yeah. steal They just steal that fucking dump truck. Yeah. Yeah, they just take it, and then the police even show up, and they stop and talk to him through the window. And he's like, oh, late again. And the cops <laughs> are like, oh, Black Bell Jones, you scoundrel. And then they just drive away in this stolen truck. Now, did you notice in the uh, the scene where Pinky's talking about his drug business that that's basically the scene from uh, Black Dynamite where he's going, but Black Dynamite, I sell drugs to the community. <laughs> Pretty much. 
That's, he's he's like, I don't sell drugs. I just provide drugs to the drug dealers. They sell drugs. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> um, so what did you think about this? A rewatch for you? Uh, I think it just gets better. This one aged really well. Mm-hmm. I would say it's not my my favorite black exploitation movie by any means, but in the subgenre of black exploitation kung fu, which there is a surprisingly great deal of, <laughs> it's one of the best, and it's kind of uh, in a way a historic film because once again a lot of other later films crib off of it really really hard, like Black Dynamite, uh, things like. Uh, Undercover Brother and, you know, joke movies that were made later are all pretty much jokes about Black Dot, or not Black Dot, about uh, Black Belt Jones. Yeah, that's pretty obvious. Having loved uh, Black Dynamite and not really watched a whole lot of black exploitation kung fu movies, like, I was kind of surprised when I'm watching it and I'm just like, holy shit, like, this is literally just. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Black Dynamite. Yeah, Black Dynamite, the the thing that makes that movie so funny that people don't get is how little it's actually satirical of the stuff <laughs> it's making fun of. Mm-hmm. It's They're basically just doing that a little bit bigger. You know what I mean? <laughs> Dr. Wu. <laughs> Kung Fu treachery. Uh, I do believe all of the Kung Fu treachery occurs in Black Belt Jones 2, which we'll have to do at some point. Yeah, I was gonna say I was looking to see because I thought there was another Black Belt Jones, but it goes like under another title. But then it's like AKA Black Belt Jones Two. Yeah, it's something. like something the Fury Black Belt Jones Two. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely interested to check it out. Which uh, I don't think I don't think I've ever seen the second one all the way through. Well, I'll definitely have to put it on the list then. Kiori. <laughs> <laughs> So I ended up buying this on uh, the DVD, like, four-pack. And it has uh, three the hard way on it, which I really want to watch. Nice. Which is Jim Kelly, Fred Williamson, and somebody else. Uh, fuck, what's, who was it? I don't know, another famous sort of black exploitation actor. And it's like all three of them as martial arts experts have to go on a mission. So it's a man on a mission movie, which I'm excited about. It does sound pretty good. Yeah. Funny thing, if I remember right, I'm trying to think. I think the director of this movie ended up not making a lot of movies. We were wrong about that. No, I guess he did 23. Uh, Jim Brown. That's who I was trying to think of. So yeah, Jim Brown, Fred Williamson, Jim Kelly. Nonstop thriller about three friends who combine forces to battle a mysterious organization bent on racial genocide. So this is essentially the movie about uh, Anaconda Malt Liquor. I remember reading the the description, and some organization wants to poison the water supply, but the poison only affects black people. (laughs) That's that's not at all cribbed in the Uh, I'm, I'm totally watching it this weekend. That just got me even more excited now that I remembered what it was about. I have to add that one to the list. Uh, if you, I know you how much you guys like random tangential uh, associations between the movies we do. The director of Black Belt Jones also directed Game of Death, 
Yeah. Which uh, old uh, Bruce Leroy steals the outfit for in a whole. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, now I might be on a, I might end up on a kung fu kick all because of this this damn episode. Yeah, it is nice that so this the the director of this movie wasn't necessarily a uh, black exploitation director like most of them were. He was a kung fu director doing a black exploitation movie. Well, seemed to work pretty good. Yeah. This is definitely on the top of my list so far from black exploitation kung fu movies <laughs> of, of all all I guess two that I've seen. Well, t- of all two I've seen, this top two. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying it's got the number one spot, but it's up there. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, so I'm going to assume high recommend from both of us on this one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you like kung fu movies, you'll like it. If you like black exploitation movies, you'll like it. If you like, like Black Dynamite, you'll like Black it. Dynamite, you'll like it. If you don't like Black Dynamite, probably not going to be your thing. <laughs> no, probably you should probably walk away from that one. <laughs> Which anybody that doesn't like Black Dynamite, I don't trust. Yeah, that's a weird. That's a weird movie for somebody to not like. I'm I can excited. totally, I can totally see somebody not being a huge fan of it because of the style of humor. Yeah. So I'm excited for the Outlaw Johnny Black. Which is the meta sequel to uh, Black Dynamite? Yeah, I haven't heard much about it. Um, so it's more of a meta sequel than it is like a straight like like it's not another Black Dynamite movie. But Michael J. White always said that it seemed to him Black Dynamite wasn't so much that he was in that he was playing Michael J. White in this you know Black Dynamite character. He was playing. <laughs> Uh, an actor, an in a actor movie. who was in a movie who played Black Dynamite. And so he is essentially playing the same actor in another movie that looks like it's going to borrow a lot from uh, Boss, which we talked about last week. Where yeah, it's, Boss it's, is probably the Django movies and yeah. stuff. Yeah, where it's yeah him in a Western type setting. So I'm super excited. I backed it on Kickstarter, so... Whenever it gets made, it's gonna sweet, sweet movie is gonna make just, its way to my mailbox. Once again, there's those weird decisions. Black Dynamite made a ton of money, mm-hmm. a ton, especially for the the budget that was on that movie. Yeah, why the fuck didn't it get immediately picked up for a sequel? I don't know. It's bizarre. I just I'll never understand Hollywood how they can look at something a little bit. Well, that was cheap to make and made a ton of money. Better make another Fast and the Furious movie. <laughs> yeah, it is weird. Because it seems like... Because, I mean, the budget for Black Dynamite was pretty low. So, I don't understand, like... Yeah, like, what... How anybody could just... Be like, nah, I don't want to give them, like, $2 million to make, like, a $10 million profit. It's right. Like, that make any sense. All Ooh. that matters now is the billions of pro- profits. Shit, now with fucking... Uh, the Avengers movies and stuff. Now it's in the multiple billions of profits that you have to be in. Good Lord. Like, it's so just, I can't even fathom. I don't don't understand how Hollywood has not collapsed under its own weight yet. Yeah. Well, I mean, 
there was that thing a couple of years ago that Spielberg and Lucas were kind of warning people that it could easily happen because they're like, yeah, they, they load all this money into these giant blockbusters and then like a handful of them fail and then companies are going to be in big trouble. I mean, shit, now it seems like one. Like, oh, could you yeah. imagine, like, uh, Infinity War, if no one had gone to see it? That would have brought <laughs> Disney to its knees. <laughs> one movie. <laughs> yeah. Although I think Disney might have been okay, but uh, easily, I mean, even though Fox is kind of up for sale now, seems like Fox easily could have had that problem. Like, some of their uh, X-Men movies didn't perform or something, they'd be fucked. They're just not good at making movies. No. Fox does not have a good track record. No, I don't know what happens. Fell apart. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we teamed this movie up with The Last Dragon. And I know you're a big fan of The Last Dragon, so why don't you tell us about it? Uh, Bruce Bruce Leroy, a.k.a. Uh, Leroy Green, is a kung fu enthusiast and Bruce Lee fan. Uh, living in the seedy New York of 1980s and 90s movies. It's always the same weird back alley neighborhood (laughs) that I'm not entirely sure is real. Yeah, just trash everywhere. Yeah, there's just garbage and and people on the street constantly, and it's odd. But he is told that his training is almost complete and that to achieve the final level... He must find the last master who can train him. Uh, this is set in the backdrop of a sleazy arcade owner slash promoter named Eddie Arcadia. Best fucking villain name ever. <laughs> who is attempting to sell his Cindy Lopper whore girlfriend as a pop singer. Uh, <laughs> There is the host of a nighttime dance party music video TV show of some kind. Yeah. Like, like kick out the jams or something like that. Well, it's weird because she's like the host and she shows like, you know, popular music videos. And but she's then also, also, also sings and apparently is very popular for singing. So I don't know. Yeah. It's basically like, if uh, Kick Out the Jams was hosted by Tina Turner. Yeah. It's really that's a, weird. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. But so, uh, throughout the course of it, basically, she refuses to play fake Cindy Lauper's music, not because she's not good, it just doesn't fit with the show. Mm. That's not the type of music that they do. Uh, causing a tit-for-tat revenge scenario between Eddie Arcadia and this woman who Bruce Leroy gets in the middle of, and uh, kung fu shenanigans ensue. <laughs> All the while, he and his family are being menaced by the Shogun of Harlem, the meanest, the prettiest, the baddest mofo low down in this town. Show enough. Show enough. Show enough. <laughs> who basically just wants to fight Bruce Leroy because... Uh, Everybody thinks that he's really good at Kung Fu, and he doesn't like the fact that everybody thinks this other guy's good at Kung Fu. And it seems like a lot of it is that also Bruce Lee Roy won't fight him. He's also very that. much, he's very, well, he's, he's very much like the Kung Fu, like, you know, this is about discipline. It's not about, 
you know, strength or whatever. And so he doesn't, he like fighting is the absolute, like positively last resort unless he's defending somebody else. And so he keeps trying to pick a fight with them and he just won't fight him, which makes the guy even matter. Right. He's just like, ah, like, I'm going to, I'm going to get you. I'm this sick of these right. motherfuckers talking about Superman shit with you catching bullets with your teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Foreshadowing. <laughs> We do get to see him chop an arrow in half, though, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, and that was a real stunt. I know. Apparently, it took over two hours to film it. Yeah. They had to make sure they got it exactly perfect so that he didn't get a fucking arrow through his arm. <laughs> yeah, that's insane. Someone was like, yeah, you're going to chop this arrow in half? So you have to be exactly on time, otherwise you're going to get you know, shot with an arrow? Did you did you see who was originally going to be cast in the main role in the movie? Uh, maybe, but I don't remember. Fucking, fucking Billy Blanks. Oh yeah, that's right. This movie would have been a way fucking different movie. <laughs> but they thought he would have been too like machismo for it. Like he didn't have the innocence that Bruce Lee Yeah, I think that's it. true. I think that oh, if you cool. put, if you put Billy Blanks in this movie, this is no longer a very good movie. That's true. Uh, I was going to say, the movie, of course, culminates with us finding out that uh, the final level has to do with achieving a sublime glow. That if one was to be a master fighter, his hands would glow and they would become super weapons and ultimately destructive. But if one could achieve harmony, then he gets a full body glow and then he can do Highlander-ish vague stuff. <laughs> which I think is the best way to describe it. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say Neo and the Matrix type stuff, but you're, you're, you're right. Also, yeah, yeah, it's just really vague. He, he's just like, could you imagine what a person like that could do? I was like, a guy that like glows, and light up a room. <laughs> he has to be more specific. What does the glow do? Yeah, it's interesting because show enough actually gets the glow first but just in the hands yeah and they have like the when they're both fighting each other they have like these sparks and shit that come off of it and then when his starts faltering you very much get like the like (laughs) electricity sound i i love uh i can't remember what that's called that's called cell painting right yeah yeah cell cell painted special effects are one of my favorite fucking things in movies (laughs) Yeah, you have to actually draw like each individual like frame of the film. It's like, oh god, that would have been tedious as shit back in the day. Right. Of course, it ends with one of the the greatest scenes of all time, which is shown up beating the ever living fuck out of Leroy and dunking his head in the water, going, "Who is the master?" <laughs> When I say who is the master, you say shown up. Who is the master? <laughs> And then, of course, you get the the hero moment of him going, I am the master. And then he gets the glow and beats the shit out of his mm-hmm. And there's even a theme song for the glow, which is nice. You got the glow, the power of you got the glow. <laughs> this whole, I'll, I'll be honest, this I could have this whole movie's fucking soundtrack on a CD and I would listen to it. <laughs> pop it, I'd pop it in. 
1992. <laughs> it would skip every once in a while. I would love it. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I'm assuming you're a ginormous fan of this movie. I I arguably think that this is one of the greatest cult movies of all time. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say, first time watch for me. Don't think I loved it as much as you did. That is strange. <laughs> That's what, what I was waiting for. What happens? I'm just saying, what happens in this movie that isn't awesome? I don't know. I, I may need to watch it again, but part of me, I just could not get into some of it. Also, this movie, it's got a pretty fucking serious cast of weird bit players. It's true. William H. Macy shows up for, for a cup of coffee. Yeah, it's one of his first movies. <laughs> Wearing a pretty awesome uh, windbreaker. Uh, what's his face from Dumb and Dumbers? One of the toughs. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's like a failed boxer. He's the promoter. promoter guy said he was going to make him a star, and he lost one fight, and he lost interest in him. You're right. I don't know. I just think uh, everything everything about this movie is so awesome. I think it's got an interesting, like, comic booky style to it. Mm-hmm. I would also say that a lot of people don't think of it this way. This is a superhero. I mean, it, it is a kung fu movie. It is a black exploitation movie. It's a superhero. This oh, is a superhero so. origin story. Sure. Uh, you, do even, th- you even have an over two over the top supervillains with supervillain names. Mm-hmm. I do think. Uh... If I would have saw this as a kid, I probably would have loved it even more. And then would have very much more of a nostalgic feeling when I watch it. But yeah, I don't know. I just don't get it. Like the movie's okay. I don't like hate it or anything, but I just, I I don't know. I just, I wasn't as excited by it as I was hoping I was going to be. I still still don't get it because everything that happens is so good. (laughs) <laughs> there's a couple weird bits that are unnecessary like a lot of the stuff where they linger in the club for a little too long where they film the TV show mm-hmm. and uh, when they go to see the Bruce Lee movies I think they, they linger there a little bit too long <laughs> yeah yeah. we forgot to mention I guess his little brother is jealous of him because he's sort of hooking up with uh, what's her face the, oh, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, DJ yeah. lady yeah, he thinks that she's going to fall in love with him for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Even though he's like 12. Right. I don't know. I, I think the uh, the the director had a real like eye for stuff. Because mm-hmm. if you think of it in like uh, comic booky terms, you know, uh, Leroy's Neighborhood has this interesting uh, like kid from the ghetto and yet somehow everything's like real Asian inspired at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then you go to like Shonuff and his weird group of like shoulder pad wearing <laughs> street ninjas <laughs> to uh, Eddie Arcadia's coked out uh, slot machine looking 80s super layer. <laughs> Complete with some kind of flesh-eating fish that's never quite explained. Yeah, I thought for sure that was going to be like a thing of piranhas or something, and that would come into play later. But it really doesn't. But so good. good. See, I liked Shonuff, and I liked his weird thugs. Uh, But I was hoping, I don't know, I guess I was hoping they would do more with them. 
I mean, the last fight between him and Bruce Leroy is pretty good, but I don't know. Them tearing up the pizza joint is pretty enjoyable. Yeah, I think the movie really ramps up about the time where Eddie Arcadia starts recruiting uh, random B-level street villains. That was pretty fun, too. Sort of the job interview scene was was pretty good. <laughs> oh, you're, you're the guy that did those murders? Yes. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> You you pay me double. Why would I pay you double? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> pay him whatever he wants. He fucking breaks, just breaks a table in half. Who gives a fuck that he broke a table in half? <laughs> he did it with his forehead, Noah. <clears throat> I know. I just the, everything about it. I I even enjoy the weird uh, Cindy Lauper esque music videos that mm. they they take the time to do more than one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did like some of the visuals of um sort of the uh the club or whatever, especially when they end up fighting in the club. So you get like all these like the lit up stage and whatever, and that's where the sort of hiring thugs show up. Um thought that was pretty good, and then of course his fight with Shonoff was pretty good. But I don't know. I think it's all the stuff from the beginning onward. I don't know. I just wasn't. Like, just didn't, I, just didn't dive into it. All the all the love story stuff between Leroy and the chick is wasted space. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Like, I get that they were trying to do some character development and stuff, but you didn't for this movie. You didn't need it. Mm-hmm. You have a dude who's super good at kung fu, who occasionally dresses up like a ninja, <laughs> and who has a closet. Filled with fucking weapons. <laughs> a lot of weapons in that weapon closet. Uh, there is also, there's a lot of good side characters too, where one of the biggest jokes in the movie, where of course the best kung fu guy in the movie is uh, the, the black guy. And his student is an Asian guy who like doesn't get kung fu at all and instead tries to just like trick people into thinking that he knows kung fu. <laughs> yeah. Uh I was excited to see Ernie Ray's Jr. in this though. The uh the little Asian kid. Yeah, the little Asian kid. Yeah, I love him. He was in a lot of stuff back then. And he kind of just randomly shows up at some point in the movie. Yeah, that's that's what I was like it seems like out of nowhere, all of a sudden, like the Asian guy that you're talking about that doesn't really know Kung Fu very well. Um, all of a sudden, his little sidekick is Ernie Reyes Jr. And I'm like, when did this happen? This yeah. just sort of happened out of nowhere. I feel like there was uh, an editing issue of some kind. Like, yeah. part of this movie was cut, and maybe it wasn't the right parts. <laughs> uh, oh, Ernie Reyes Jr. still working. Good for him. He's How does he look like now? Uh, he would look like a grown normal person. Pretty much. Apparently he was on two episodes of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which I've never watched. Uh, and then Librarians. NCIS Los Angeles. Weird. He does look like a normal person. <laughs> Better than that, it looks I mean, he's he's in stuff, but I don't recognize some of it. And I think uh, other ones he's doing like Martial arts stunt work, pretty much. There was a there was a child actor who didn't get a fair shake. I don't think. <laughs> Curse you, American cinema! 
You sons of bitches. Yeah, this this movie almost sank the career of everyone involved. <laughs> Luckily, it found a following, and that fixed everything. Yeah. Because whenever it came out, apparently critics were not having it. They were, like, panning it. Every critic said it was a complete piece of shit. Nobody should go see it. I'm not surprised. Then people started to go see it, and they were like, what are you talking about? This has got a cool street ninja guy wearing shoulder pads. (laughs) And telling people to kiss his converse. Yeah, kiss my converse. I feel like if you uh, teamed this up with uh, like Big Trouble in Little China or something, yeah, it could be exactly. a fun double bill. I would, I would almost pay to go back in time and have them make a crossover movie. <laughs> Jack Burton and Bruce Leroy, <laughs> maybe a TV series where they travel from town to town helping people. <laughs> Typical eighties dramatic TV show. Right. Yeah, they get they get in the Pork Chop Express and just drive on to the next town, see what happens. Each episode he gets his truck stolen. Man, somebody should write that comic book. I'd read that comic book too. <laughs> Here we go. I'm gonna post in the group. See see if people agree. Um would like the idea of a Big trouble in little China slash uh, last dragon crossover. You think it would be a hit? Most definitely. My, I was going to say, my one complaint about the movie is way too many people act in this movie that only have one name. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't trust people who only have one name. People have two names. Name. A surname. That is the way it works. Not according to Cher or Madonna or Sting. Yeah. Fuck those people. <laughs> Maybe not Sting. For <laughs> <I've heard> stories. <laughs> yeah, if you fuck him, it's gonna take forever. <laughs> you might go you might go tantric on you <laughs> and kill you. <laughs> I didn't think this out. I forgot he knew tantric. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Just scrolling through Facebook. Apparently DC announces that Vertigo Vertigo is coming back. Okay. Every decision DC makes, they go back on it like in the next couple of years. I mean, I don't get why they got rid of Vertigo in the first place. Because they were trying to consolidate all their properties into like one universe, which doesn't is like work. doesn't have to be. Um Yeah, you know, which doesn't have to be a thing, but they made it a thing and now they're like, well, all right, we're going to bring Vertigo back. What if they say what, if they're going to move titles back over? Because then it was a giant waste of time if they are. I mean, maybe they'll just bring it back as what it was before, where it was their uh, non-PG. Hmm. Uh, new books include Border Town, uh, Hex Wives. Oh, that looks awful. Did you just say Hex Wives? Yes. 
That is unfucking acceptable use of pun. About a covenant witch's brainwashed to be Stefford wives who are slowly regaining their memories. That I hope they go out of business. American Carnage, uh, which follows a biracial FBI agent who goes undercover with a white supremacy group. Goddess Mode. Uh, woman who does tech support on the AI who runs humanity in a near-future dystopia. Discovers monsters and superpowered women battling behind the scenes. Behind the sense, because somebody on this web page can't type properly. For the cheat codes to reality. All these books sound awful. Because it is what they're, that is, it seems like what they're doing is more like um, adult, like books or whatever. But. But they sound like books written for tweens? But they just sound like almost like frat boys coming up with the ideas. Like, what if we got a bunch of witches and they're like Stepford wives, but they don't know it? Yeah, all these sound awful. <laughs> I'm glad really I don't read Witchblade. <laughs> I'm glad that uh, I don't read comics anymore. Yeah, so. there hasn't there hasn't been a comic title in a long time. That's really got me going. People recommend one every once in a while, and I'm like, I don't know. I just <laughs> my heart's been broken too many times. Uh, second coming. God sends Jesus back to Earth to learn the family business from Sun Man, God's popular jock other son. <laughs> who's basically Superman. <laughs> okay, that one actually sounds pretty interesting. Hey, go learn how to be a savior from this douche. <laughs> and the cover has the Sunman guy with a, a like a criminal and a headlock. And then it shows Jesus next to him stuffing a loaf of bread in the other criminal's mouth. <laughs> Holy shit. The, yeah. first, the first trade ends with him killing in the entire mafia by burying them in loaves and fishes. <laughs> Alright. So we have instant feedback here. Sweet. Uh, so I asked on the Facebook group would everyone like the idea of a Big Trouble Little China slash Last Dragon crossover? We think it would be a hit. Uh, Jeff says, hell yes, the fantastical elements of both would mesh so well. Uh, Frank says, Indeed. And Evil Nemesis Brian with an I says, Big Trouble is one of my absolute favorite movies ever. So, yeah, that'll work. <laughs> and then apparently it says someone else is typing a comment. So Ooh. it's going to be a we wait in yes, mystery, mystery response. Suspense. Uh, but while we're waiting, did you uh, watch anything since last week, Noah? Uh, I did. I watched a couple things. So I uh, finished out uh, the uh, Kimmy Schmidt mm -hmm. for the new season. Hilarious, as, a, as to be expected. Yeah, that is a well-written <laughs> show. Yeah, that I just I can't I don't understand why it's as funny as it is, but it really <laughs> funny is. It's Tina Fey, man. I, I just feel like all those years writing on SNL and then. Obviously, Thirty Rock or whatever. It just seems to have honed her, honed her writing skills down perfectly for this type of show. Right. And then, uh, since we were watching Kung Fu, I decided I needed to watch some Kung Fu movies. So I watched uh, Crippled Masters. Oh yeah, which is so awesome. <laughs> uh, do you think we can make that movie nowadays? No. <laughs> I wonder why. I don't even think I don't even think they could fucking make it in China. 
I mean, although the weird thing is, is it's not exactly like it's making fun of the handicapped people. It's like, look, these people are handicapped and they're fucking badass. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like it's like a movie like Freaked, like Freaks, where oh, yeah, 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 you could just. People would feel like they're being exploited, even though they are shown to be like the heroes of the movie. Yeah, it's weird. I feel like it's it, it, we're we're one of those weird spots where you can't even make something that's reaffirming. It has to be like so fucking soft handed about everything that I'm not going to be one of those people that's going to be like, oh, politically correct, ruining everything. But I think that right now everybody's a little bit overly sensitive about certain topics. <laughs> And about random topics that you don't know are offensive <laughs> until somebody tells you. This is offensive to trans robotism. <laughs> Wait, what? What? What is that word? I don't know the word. I will apologize to you if you explain the word. <laughs> you owe Optimus Prime an apology. Uh, so I watched that. If you've never seen it, that's some, that's some good kung fu. <laughs> You gotta watch that kung fu movie. It's been on my list forever because it's on one of those trailer DVDs I have. Oh my god, have you never actually seen it? No, Wes has it. Wes has seen it. Oh man, I've just never sat down to watch it. That's a really good one. And then I watched uh, Five Deadly Venoms, one of my personal favorites. Which is basically the weird story of there's five kung fu masters and (laughs) they... They're coming to kill a guy, and the guy has to uh, hunt them down and stop them first. That's that's the entire plot of the movie. Nice. But it's pretty good. Because, of course, he makes friends with one of them. As you do. And and learns his style. Uh, and then I watched uh, Jackie Ch- one of Jackie Chan's first movies, the... Uh, uh, I'm trying to remember what the original title is because it's called A Drunken Master in America. Oh, yeah. But it was called Eight Drunken Fairies or something like that. <laughs> Style of Eight Drunken Fairies, something something weird like that. Uh, and, and I'm not talking about the newer one that he made whenever he was middle-aged. I'm talking about whenever he was young. And it's, it's hilarious. It is kung fu comedy at its best. Uh, if you've ever watched any of the kung fu movies where people like to yell out the moves that they're doing, <laughs> there is a really funny one where Jackie Chan's joking about doing crane style, and he takes his hand in a crane neck shape and like tries to literally like peck at the guy's balls with his hand <laughs> while going crane eat shrimp. <laughs> nice. Which is one of the greatest kung fu moves I've ever heard in my entire life. Which is also super awesome. I, I high recommends for all those. If you're into kung fu movies, you should definitely watch the kung fu. Mm. I think that's it. I think that's all I had time to watch this week. Yeah. I was trying to look at IMDb to see if they had another name for that movie, but they do not. Well, I ended up watching a bunch of stuff this week. <clears throat> um. So I went to the theater. I saw the movie Upgrade, which uh, is a guy who gets uh, paralyzed while some thugs beat up him and his wife, and his wife ends up dying. So he's paralyzed, and this, uh, I don't know, reclusive genius computer person who's been working on this microchip that can uh, pretty much 
help with just about anything. Uh, gives it to him, so he's able to walk again. And then he finds that the, the sort of the computer can talk to him, and also completely take over his body. So he essentially becomes like a kung fu master, where he's going after the people who killed his wife, and is able to just let this sort of computer take over, and it just completely, you know, kicks everybody's ass. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I was hoping it was a little bit more actiony, but it actually had a little bit more of a dramatic plot to it than I thought it was going to. But still good, still worth a watch. Uh, so I was super excited because uh, Shudder added Night School to their lineup. And that's one of those 80s slashers I've been wanting to see, but just never had a chance to. I'm not sure if I've seen that one or not. Well, it's on uh, Shudder now, so you can give it a watch. I going to say the name sounds familiar. Uh, so it's somebody killing off all these women that uh, all seem to attend the same night school class. And they're trying to figure out why and whatnot. Uh, it's okay. I got a little bored with it. <laughs> Turns out not one of the better 80s slashers. Uh, although the deaths are pretty gruesome because it's just uh, a person in a uh, motorcycle helmet and like a black leather jacket and they have this weird curved knife and they just cut people's heads, cut women's heads off the entire movie. So kind of like a giallo style? A little bit. A little bit more of like a slasher bent to it, but had, uh, you know, had had a little uh, giallo-esque sort of stuff, I guess. Um, but it's it was just okay. I was a little sad because it's, it's a movie I've been wanting to see forever. And I finally got a chance to, and it was just okay. And it's just like, oh, that's a bummer. <laughs> it's always the worst whenever you get real ramped up for something, and then it's no good. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and then I continued on my shutter, shutter bent by watching one of their newest... Uh, uh, exclusive movies called Sequence Break, uh, which I just heard from the director and stuff on one of my favorite podcasts, uh, Shockwaves. And so it's about this guy who works at a uh, arcade repair shop, which I didn't know that that was a, a genuine thing anymore. Uh, it's getting ready to go out of business, but of course his boss has to leave for plot reasons uh while he's gone this mysterious motherboard just shows up like slid under the the door or whatever so this guy like plugs it into a machine to see what it is and then starts uh the more he plays it the more he starts getting weird like hallucinations and stuff and he also starts dating this girl around the same time and she starts asking him about it he keeps telling her not to not to mess with it, and of course she doesn't listen. And so then it's the arcade machine ends up essentially like pulling her into the game. So then he, he through his hallucinations has to figure out how to save her or whatever. Uh, it's okay. It's I likened it very much to a uh, Cronenberg movie, like it's very Cron- Cronenberg esque. Okay, but it's like not. Like, this is good, but it's so weird. I don't understand it. <laughs> But, well, it's very Cronenberg-esque, but then the problem is Cronenberg didn't make it. So it's not it's not done as well as a Cronenberg movie. So it leads lots of just weird sort of, uh, I don't know, stylistically just unfortunately kind of falls apart. 
but it has some uh, cool visuals every now and then. Uh, very much uh, implied sex with a arcade machine. Um, the uh, the joystick it's all smushy and weird at one point. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's on Shutter, so if you have Shutter, it's kind of free. But yeah, just uh, I don't know. I was hoping for a little bit more. Got maybe a little bit more of a surrealistic movie that tries to be very Cronenberg-esque, but doesn't quite pull it off. Sadly. Uh, and then the last thing I watched, which I was watching right before we started this, and this will be the cheap plug part of the show. Uh, my friend Tony Wash's movie The Rake came out this week, and so I picked it up on Vudu. Able to watch, and uh, yeah, it's a group of friends sort of reconvening after not seeing each other for many years, and there was a very traumatic experience that happened between a brother and a sister when they were younger, of this guy showing up at their house and killing both their parents, and saying that the rake was going to infect everyone, and then he slit his throat in front of them, which you know. That's good for the old psyche when you're like t- ten and <laughs> ten and seven. <sighs> Not dancing uh, at all. Yeah. So then, uh, you know, fast forward to them being older and sort of reconvening with a bunch of their friends, and then uh, you know people start having visions and claiming that the rake was still there, and just yeah, you hear about sort of how where everybody's lives have gone since this incident. And then, uh, you know, there's monster stuff and hallucinations and slime and blood and whatever else. So if you're into that kind of uh, that kind of stuff, a lot of psychological stuff, but then there is monsters. So that's if you're into the monsters, that's, your, that's uh, definitely what you want. Big fan of slime and blood. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, don't want to give away too much of it. I think uh, that's plenty but uh if you're interested i mean you can pick this up at like walmart or i'm sure amazon has it i mean looked i picked it up on voodoo but if you go to scotchworthy.com which is my friend tony's uh production website you can buy a copy off him with a special slip cover that you cannot get anywhere else and uh the uh, the DVD comes with no special features, which Tony was not very happy about. But he does have a behind-the-scenes video that if you buy the DVD from him, you get a link to watch this video for free. So definitely worth going over to scotchworthy.com and uh, picking up a copy. And make, him, make sure you tell him uh, you heard it on a midnight drive-in so that he knows I specifically sent you over there. So then... He'll be nice to me next time I see next time I see him. This son of a bitch. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Now I was texting with him before the show, and like half an hour before we were going to start, uh, when we told Doug he couldn't be on the show anymore, I asked Tony, "I'm like, hey, have you ever seen Black Belt Jones or The Last Dragon?" He's like, "I don't know, probably like forever ago." I was like, "Oh, well, one of our co-hosts isn't going to make it, so you can come on and promote the movie if you want." And he said he was busy. So I told him I was going to trash talk him on the show. Oh, he's, he's Hollywoodness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we just got big time by Tony Wash, that son of a bitch. Mm-hmm.
Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. All right, now what did we decide we we're going to do for next week? Because I already forgot. Uh, uh, I remember. I just can't remember. You know what I mean? So I'll be scanning over oh. that. We're doing uh, oh, fuck. Creeping, creeping Flesh and uh, Nothing But the Night. That's what it is. A couple um, Hammer films. It's in a Hammer mood for some reason. So. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully it pays off. <laughs> and if you guys are sitting at home and bored and you have access to Comet, uh, one of the five movies they're playing on repeat every day <laughs> is uh, Cellar Dweller. Oh. I fucking love Cellar Dweller. I wasn't a big fan of it. I don't know. Man, that's a good... It's garbage. It's That's a garbage <laughs> movie, but... <laughs> But it's got just enough good stuff in it because, like, the creature effect's actually pretty good, and it's got Jeffrey Combs in part of it. <laughs> yeah, he shows up for a minute or so. Yeah, I actually I tricked myself into watching it because I was flipping through and I said it, it was just uh it was like him and glasses sitting at the desk and he was drawing, but it looked like he was writing in a journal. I got all excited. I was like, oh, shit, Reanimator's on. <laughs> I watched Reanimator. <laughs> and then I sat down and I was like, wait a minute, this isn't Reanimator. <laughs> <laughs> you fooled me, Jeffrey Combs. How dare you? <laughs> you tricked me. I thought I was going to see your best movie, and instead it's one of your not best movies. <laughs> Which, sadly, there are there are kind of a lot of them. I'd say, I'd say more hits than misses. Uh, sure. Off the top of my head, I can't think of any like super horrible ones other than Cellar Dweller, but... Yeah, I'm trying to think. I'm sure there's some full moon ones that are bad. Well, yeah, you just said full moon, so that explains it all. Much as I love some of the full moon stuff, some of it, I'm just like, holy shit, like, how in the world? Even Charles Band had to look at this and be like, this is not a good idea. I was gonna say, the stuff he's been doing the last uh, several years, he's been kind of, like, knocking it out of the park, I think. Like What? Oh my god, like, uh, Would You Rather? I don't think I saw that one. You didn't? Man, that's huh. it's really good. It's your t- typical, uh, like, s- not exactly, it, it saw is the wrong word, but multiple unrelated people trapped in a small space who are going to compete for their lives, you know what I mean? Wait, 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 wait. Are you talking Charles Band or are you talking Jeffrey Combs? Jeffrey Combs, Jeffrey Combs. Okay. Jeffrey Combs. Not I, I said something about Charles Band, and you said, "Yeah, he's been knocking it out of the park the last couple of no, years." No, no, no. I meant, I meant Jeffrey Combs been knocking it out. All right, all right. Charles Band's been driving around the van trying to jump his dick the last few years. So that makes way more sense than Charles Band's been knocking it out of the park the past couple yeah. of years. And I'm just like, with what? No, don't get don't get me wrong. I like Charles Band a lot, but. Oh, those last couple of Puppet Master movies have been horrible. Yeah, I think I think the peak of his uh, success has passed. Maybe he should just take a break. Yeah. Stop and think about what he's done. Maybe he should just sit on the giant mound of Puppet Master box sets that he keeps saying he doesn't have any more of than finds a bundle in a warehouse somewhere. Yeah. I've always wanted to get... Have you ever seen the uh, the... What was it? It was like the collector set that came in the box that looked like the puppet case. Yeah. That always looked pretty cool. Man. 
Yeah, I paid like fifty goddamn dollars at a convention for the Puppet Master box set. It went up through nine. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been nine. The one you can get at Walmart for four dollars. And yeah, like a couple years later, it's like, oh look, I'm digging around in the the five dollar bin and found found the exact same thing condensed down into a much smaller box. So I totally bought that version too. I was gonna say, I think I would rather have the bigger box with the individual cases. Yeah, it is nice. To be fair, I did scam a couple uh, "quote unquote" review copies of parts two and three on Blu-ray from Full Moon, so I feel like I've I've been paid back a little bit. <laughs> Get some of that money back. Exactly. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Goodnight.